Chapter Three of Entrapped by Alice Mangold Deal. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Poisoned? Absurd! Ridiculous! Why, of all the men I ever met, he was the very last to commit suicide. Began Andrew, but Doctor Bird did not seem to hear him. Bending down, he seemed absorbed in a careful examination of the old man's corpse, which had a pitiful as well as a grotesque appearance seated in the chair. Then he suddenly stood up. "'Smell his mouth,' he said almost contemptuously. For a moment Andrew had a fierce struggle with himself. The cold sweat of horror and aversion stood on his pale forehead. Then, conquering his emotion, he, too, stooped down near the drawn, livid lips. "'I certainly smell something like a pungent scent,' he hesitatingly began. "'My cousin, Miss Blount, had some. I forget what it was called.' tut tut impatiently exclaimed dr bird that smell means but one thing man hydrocyanic acid where are his keys in his trouser pocket he moved the clenched fist of the dead squire a little aside and feeling in his trouser pockets drew out a small bunch of bright steel keys come he briefly commanded Andrew, hardly guessing his errand, followed him into the dressing-room, where a mahogany chest stood on a table, and watched him open it after trying several keys, and carefully move the small bottles on the shelves until he drew forth an empty one, in a kind of miserable stupor. There, he said, opening, sniffing it. Empty. He took enough to kill a dozen men if that bottle had half as much in it to-day as when I let him have it a few weeks back. He had been in the habit of taking a few drops now and then, his heart was not up to much but i never dreamt of this come let us see whether we can put our hands upon the glass he drank it from he spoke in a new alert business-like way and andrew listened feeling too stunned to make a remark he watched the little doctor thrust the bottle into his breast-pocket and lock the medicine-chest then followed him into the death-chamber without a single word as the two men returned to the squire's bedroom mrs slee came in i can't tell which is which of the cups and tumblers now sir mr quarles had his soup and wine and water while mr andrew and miss zoe was at dinner and i fetched the tray down myself susan washed em up with the rest just before she come up to see to the bedrooms dr bird looked discomfited then puzzled for according to mrs slee the glasses used by the squire during the day had all come below quite half an hour before susan entering had found him dead in his chair whatever he took it in must be up here still then he decided then he began a search in the presence of the dead man's trusted housekeeper and adopted son which was fruitless in regard to the bedroom and dressing-room tumblers which were dry and odourless but which led to a discovery that the medicine glass on the mantelpiece was missing from its morocco case the doctor said nothing further than that the glass must be found then he turned to andrew and asked for tape scissors and sealing wax and in the presence of the two whose help he first demanded to lay the corpse on the bed decently before rigor mortis set in he raked out the small fire watching it until perfect safety was assured took away the lamp locked the doors putting the keys in his pocket and asking andrew to hold the lamp carefully sealed each of the outer doors carefully impressing the seals with his own signet ring now please come downstairs where is miss blount in the dining-room we will go there then he briskly said and followed by the two 
andrew scared looking and mrs slee visibly trembling he as briskly went down and into the dining-room where zoe was still crouching collapsed in the chair how are you he asked going to her shaking hands but seemingly too preoccupied to notice her pallor and evident nervous prostration then he resolutely planted himself on the hearth-rug back to the fire and after he had requested mrs slee to shut the door insisted upon both young master and old servitor being seated because he had something to say these sudden deaths are always painful affairs you see he began after clearing his throat and looking at no one in particular because there has to be a certain formula gone through inquiry has to be made it is the law of the land he paused for andrew started up and went to him he looked concentrated anger his pale face was suddenly suffused with scarlet his eyes glowed with passion if by that you mean an inquest it is shocking he hotly cried if my uncle had a weak heart surely you can give the certificate of death he would have been the very last to wish himself known to be a suicide if indeed he was one which i cannot believe dr bird swayed a little on his small stout feet and with pursed-up lips contemplated them with raised eyebrows and cleared his throat a trick of his when patients were at all refractory during treatment my dear young friend duty is duty he returned in the business-like unemotional manner he had assumed since he realized the fact of his old friend the eccentric squire quarles's tragically sudden death my duty in this case is to inform the coroner and you may be sure that no secondary motives will prevent my doing so least of all any sentimental notions of what mr quarles would have thought or felt when alive my duty is not to andrew quarles living but to andrew quarles dead here zoe suddenly sat up and looked with affrighted eyes from dr bird to her lover an inquest what for she hoarsely asked her eyes glittering oh doctor surely you can save us that disgrace andrew beg dr bird to have pity on us her voice rang shrill if pathetic but the doctor who was both puzzled and thoroughly upset in his calculations at whose naturally simple yet shrewd mind a score of miserable doubts and suspicions were clamouring for admission stood firm my good friends the best thing we can do is to go to bed he began i shall have to be off before daylight and honestly i feel pretty well done up by my day's work let alone by the shock it has been to me to find my old friend dead in such a sudden and unexpected way if you will allow me i will lie down on that big old sofa yonder it will not be the first time i have passed a night there since the first when my friend who has just died was so mad with grief at the flight of his sister that i feared for his reason doctor you will have something first began andrew hoarsely but dr bird cheery little old man that he looked cherub-like in gentle innocence as his bright face and kindly blue eyes suggested that he was was as adamant he refused andrew's offers of meat and drink sent off the housekeeper for pillows and blankets and presently had so far succeeded in his desires that a dead silence reigned throughout the big mansion presumably every one of its few inhabitants was in bed if not asleep for himself personally sleep was impossible as soon as he felt pretty secure that he had been obeyed he quietly threw off the protecting blanket and rising as quietly made up the fire and intending to be seated in the chair zoe had lately vacated was feeling in his pocket for his pipe and tobacco pouch when something white caught his eye a wisp of white between the tumbled cushion and the chair arm he took it up 
It was a square envelope, directed in the squire's handwriting to Messrs. Flowerdew and Pearlby. It was stamped, but had evidently not been posted. His lawyers, he muttered to himself, that's queer. Then he started for, turning the envelope round, he saw that it had either not been closed or had been opened. This will have to be given to the coroner, he told himself, as he drew out the sheet enclosed, and read, Dear Sirs, Circumstances oblige me to alter my last will, made two months ago, and I shall be glad if you will send or come to see about it immediately, to-morrow if possible. Faithfully yours, Andrew Quarles. There was no sleep for the village Escalapius that night. He sat up, smoking, waiting for the dawn to come, to leave the house and seek the coroner, and he had never been so thoroughly upset in his life. For he could not master his thoughts, he could not check the miserable suspicions which, in tormenting hordes, thronged his mind. He felt as powerless against them as he would have been against a crowd, a mob of accusers who were shouting denunciations of the young people who had shown such unmistakable terror. Could their changed looks, their horrified expression, their pallor and threatened collapse, have been due to shock alone? he asked himself. He would have given worlds that night to believe that Andrew did not know more of the tragedy than he chose to tell, and Zoe also. The motive is so hideously plain, he told himself. He knew the two were sweethearts. It had been common village talk since Zoe had become an inmate of her uncle's house a few months previously. He also knew something, and made a shrewd guess at more, of Squire Quarles's life which knowledge, although he had hardly been surprised by Quarles's adoption of his jilter's orphan son, had caused him to be considerably astonished when Zoe Blount was domiciled in Heatherly Court. Nothing could have been less to his mind, one would think, than the marriage of those two, he mused. The girl might have knocked under, but the young man? Dr. Bird dismally, mournfully shook his head. He did not believe in Andrew. He had never been able to trust him, although since the lad first arrived, a somewhat cringing, half-starved youth, with the deprecating air which experience had taught the doctor to associate with fraud, humbug, and even crime, he had honestly striven to overcome his prejudices. Thank heaven, Chinnery is one of the justest-minded men one can find anywhere, he told himself, as he let himself out in the grey morning, carefully closed the heavy door of the house of death, and sped along the drive homewards. Perhaps, after all, it might have been a sudden aberration. Quarles may have taken that dose in a moment of frenzy. But that letter, if he really meant it, I know the man, the very last thing he would have done was to end his life before he had his revenge, if only I had not to give Chinnery that fatal letter. When I read it, I felt, somehow, it was somebody's death warrant. End of chapter 3